Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of Comedy Northwest. This one is with Phil Johnson. And if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, or the week that it drops, Phil is going to be performing here in Bend again at 7 Night Club, 8 p.m. this Friday. Uh, you can get tickets at bendcomedy.com. So if you love the episode, come out and see him live. Enjoy. gentlemen welcome to the comedy northwest podcast another awesome episode we are i say we because i have my co-host elaine with me hello hey elaine she will be here just in case things get out of control she'll she'll keep us in line uh but our guest uh is phil johnson hello thanks for having me phil how are you doing i'm good so phil this is i guess technically an after party episode but you're not much of a drinker or smoker or anything so we're not gonna get no no here's my my glass of water (laughs) right there because i'm living hard like a sane person um but this is uh usually our shows just after or the podcast just after our show is our after party i see we've been drinking and whatnot i see okay it's gonna be a fairly sobering after party what when was the last time that you just got wild and like partied drugs alcohol prostitutes none of the above really never no never no i have bad genes in my family so it's and i have a very addictive personality it's why i can't go past a donut place without stopping those like like the kirkland brand jeans because my dad buys those all the time (laughs) i have some of those they fit terrible i know they're like they really stand up but they're just not great no they're terrible yeah yeah no yeah addiction runs my family like crazy and uh, so yeah i just like literally i passed a donut place on the way here and i was like oh i wonder if it's open and i pulled (laughs) i went back around and I was like, oh, it's closed. Damn, what time do they open? They open at 6 a.m. Okay. <laughs> oh, that is was the, it the worst. Donut? Yes, it was the donut. They're yes. good. You Are they? Go. Yeah. yeah. I'll go I'll go in the morning. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Because I drove through Portland and did not go to Voodoo Donuts on this trip. Oh. So, yeah, I'm having sort of a donut okay. withdrawal. Yeah. There is. We, we've tried to go to Voodoo all the time, but the line is so long. There are just so many hipsters that want these donuts. Oh, I yes. don't think there's any donut that I would want to wait like an hour and a half I, for. I will wait in the rain. <laughs> I have, but that's because you have a problem. I have a you. problem. <laughs> and I've subjected other comedians to it when we're driving through Portland. Oh. I'll be like, hey, we're going to drive like a half hour out of our way for a donut. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. But afterward, they're always like, oh, yeah, that was totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you consider food your biggest vice? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I have no other vices. Yeah. Uh, food, comedy. Uh, music that's so it. normal yeah. things no, normal yeah, things okay. yeah. yeah people that people do just a normally yeah you do that food is the only one i haven't turned into a career choice yet yeah there um, you go Ooh, you could become a, like a comedy chef or something like that yikes become <laughs> you could be the uh uh who was johnny carson's sidekick uh, ed mcmahon ed mcmahon become the ed mcmahon to uh god damn it i can't think of anything no. i'll be kitchen. rachel ray's ed mcmahon Oh, uh, Gordon Ramsay. You could be Gordon Ramsay's <laughs> Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. That would be teamwork. A horrible, Thank horrible job. Uh, that would be terrible. Rachel Ray, totally. Yeah, that oh, would God, be better. I know she likes musicians. She's married to one. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, he married a chick that's rich and cooks. Wow. <laughs> what a sweet deal. Yeah. 
Can't beat that. <laughs> so what is, do, do you find, how hard is it on a regular basis as a comedian to avoid these things? Oh, I'm just so used to it. Because I've never, never been a drinker, never been a drug yeah. guy, never, you know, so I just, I've been, I've spent my whole life going, I'll have a Coke, please. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so <laughs> What'd you do? You said, you want something to drink? I said, do you have any Coke? <laughs> Caffeine. That's my other addiction. So Drunk Phil has never existed? Drunk Phil has never existed. Ooh. No. Never I'm existed. I want to. I want to write some fanfic about mm-hmm. drunk Phil. Let's drunk Phil up too. I didn't even like the wine at communion at church. I mean, like nothing. Uh, well, that's just I, oh, okay. Shitty I'll take it back. Juice. When when yeah. we had rehearsal for first communion, yeah. they used real wine, and we had to go around like six times to rehearse all the the little oh, bits God. we had to do. Yeah. And uh, my mom showed up to pick us up. She's like, "Why are your cheeks so red?" And they were like, "The wine." <laughs> there's there's a video online of. Uh, um, Oh God, who was it? Orson Welles or somebody like that doing a champagne commercial? Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. and just first of all, finished off a bottle before they even started shooting. Sure, oh, and yeah. then like you can see the outtakes, every clip of everybody like, "Hey, have you enjoyed the champagne?" Yes, I really enjoyed the champagne. <laughs> Let's do that again. And you're just like, "Oh, that's adorable." And there are aliens coming. <laughs> yeah, and of course he's the guy that's drunk twenty four seven anyway. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it is. Oh, uh, who, I guess that's a good question. Who's a big name that you've worked with you're, that like has offered you like, hey, you want to go drink? You want to go do drugs? Let's go do this. And you're like, no, 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 famous person. I just need to <laughs> hang out here and not do that. You know, here's the weird thing. I don't work with that many big comics oh. um, because I don't. You give... are the big comic well, in your circle. <laughs> sort of. But I mean, I don't uh, I don't work the clubs at home in the Bay Area very oh, often because okay. uh, they don't appreciate me for some reason. And when I go on the road, I usually end up featuring for these, you know, 30 year road dogs. Yeah. And uh, and then I headline. Yeah. And so I, I like I worked with April Macy. She was great. Um, I've done, I you know, Greg Barron invited me up for a guest set one night. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and he I mean, he's passed all his addiction stuff, so he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And April Macy uh, is a wonderful person. She's yeah. fantastic. We went to a diner. Uh, <laughs> and but afterwards uh, we went to uh, a McDonald's. She said, I said, are you hungry? She said, yeah. I said, we'll just go get some McDonald's on the way back to the hotel. Yeah. And uh, she tried to pull out some money and I was like, ah, I got this. I'm like, this is the closest I'm ever getting to a date with April Macy. <laughs> so I'm going to buy you a double cheeseburger. Sure. That's, you know, pretty yeah. good deal. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good yeah. deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Like taking a date to McDonald's is horrible. <laughs> when your date says, Hey, let's go to McDonald's. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> For the love of God, dollar menu, cha-ching. <laughs> the first date I had with my girlfriend, I picked her up uh, and I said, are you hungry? And she said, no. I said, I'm starving. I'm going to stop by McDonald's and grab something. She was like, okay, at the time. Like years later, she's like, that was a really lame move of you to go to McDonald's and like eat by yourself in the car. And I was like, but you said it was okay. And, and then I took her to a, a comedy sports club, an improv club. Oh. And uh, and years later, she's like, yeah, I don't really like comedy all that much. And uh, so I was like, wow. so like, I totally jacked up the first date and we're still together. So, so what you're saying is that your relationship is based on one of the most solid foundations ever. <laughs> Strangely, I mean, my girlfriend does uh, not love me for my money, yeah. uh, for obvious reasons, <laughs> uh-huh. and does not think I have a great sense of humor, um, and uh, and constantly goes, uh, "You sang the wrong note." So, like, I, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but she's still there. So, she's, what does she do for a living? She works at the law library at Santa Clara University. Oh, cool. So she has like a regular person gig. 
And uh, she That's used to be. It's pretty regular. <laughs> yeah, that, it's is, really that regular. is super normal. She got that job. She came home. She was like, oh, my God, I have my own cubicle. I was like, I would shoot <laughs> myself in the head if I had my own cubicle. Oh, my God. The... But she used to be a musician. She was a bass player when oh, we started okay. going out. Yeah. And she didn't like all the self-promotion stuff that goes along with being a performer. Yeah. yeah. And so she was just like, I'm just going to retire. Yeah. Uh, she sold her. She sold a bunch of her equipment. She kept her $3,000 left-handed bass that oh, I can't nice. play because it's a left-handed uh... bass. <laughs> <laughs> and it just sits there collecting dust. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So, yeah. how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, Twelve years this month, actually. Wow. wow. Do you remember yeah. your first time going on stage? Yeah, which was actually much longer before that. Um, <laughs> really? Because, yeah, I started playing music in bands in '93. I think uh, was when the first band started, and uh, or the first version of the band still had the same name the whole time. Uh, roadside attraction and uh so we had been practicing for about a year yeah uh we had like three songs and an acdc cover uh highway to hell i still know how to play it and uh and my bass player at the time he called the, a club called the cabaret near us in san jose just to find out how to go about being booked what's the process mm-hmm. and the guy goes yeah you want to headline this uh, saturday night <laughs> and it was like a saturday like a month out and he's like it was like uh we had to sell tickets and all that kind of stuff oh shit. and uh, he comes back he's like um I booked us a gig and we're like what what we're, are we ready for that and he's like we're headlining saturday night and i'm like are you what <laughs> oh my <laughs> it was the stupidest thing but it was one of those clubs that didn't care who was on stage as long yeah. as you sold some tickets yeah. yeah and i think we sold like 80 tickets or something like that and good. it was yeah. pretty good yeah i mean it, you know first time band everybody sure. we knew came out and uh so we get up on this stage and uh, we had done like at the time bands had like like an intro yeah. Like an intro tape of some sort, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we were like, we got to put together an intro tape. So we put together, we're, and this was like cassettes, right? So we're bouncing cassettes back Classic. and forth on our four track. And mm-hmm. we got this big, grandiose, you know, <laughs> thing. And we take it, and we have no idea how this works. So we go in for sound check. And we have our tape, our intro tape, in a boom box on the stage. Yeah. And we're trying to mic the boom box Adorable. with the, yeah. And the sound guy goes, what the hell are you doing? And we go, it's our, intro tape and he goes give me that and he takes it up to the sound booth and he plays it through the huge PA nice. system and it's just like rumbling and it finishes and he goes that was the longest most boring introduction I've ever <laughs> heard in my life and we're like alright we won't use it then <laughs> and so we didn't we didn't use the intro or anything and uh, so Crouch says that we're headlining there's two or three bands on yeah. before us and I was too young to be in the club I would think I was only I think it was 19 or 20 and uh so I had to stay in the green room, and I had craned my neck around the side of the door of the green room to watch the whole show. So like the first three years of playing in bands, yeah. I had like a neck ache every time I got on stage because we yeah. played this club all the time. And uh, yeah, I could barely stand up the first time I got on stage. My knees were shaking, and uh, but uh, yeah, we went, we went full bar. And it's just you get addicted. I mean, you know, yeah. oh, you God. just go, oh, this is, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. yep. There it is. <laughs> all of these people thought we were an actual band. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Somewhere I still have a VHS tape of that show. I have to find it and wow. put it on DVD before That's the VHS awesome. disintegrates. But yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, the comedy thing was an accident. It was, uh, I, had, I had gone through various versions of my band and I had just split up with a couple of the guys I had been playing with for a long time. And I was just writing songs and getting, I got these weird, goofy songs out of my head that the other guys didn't want to do. And I was just demoing them and stuff. Yeah. And I went to a music convention in Las Vegas and we were sitting around the pool one night um, just playing songs for one another and I played a song called Whale Blubber which is a love song and the next morning everybody was like 
dude, that's what you should be doing. You should be doing this comedy music thing. And I'm like, no, no, that's B-side, goofy, round, yeah. you know. They're like, no, seriously, we can't get that stupid Will Blubber song out of our heads. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try. And so I had like three funny songs. Yeah. And uh, I got invited to do, I started doing, oh, my mentor at the time, Tim Sweeney, I said, uh, I finally got the band I want. These guys are great. I had like an A-piece band, horn section, wow. the whole nice. thing. And he was like, great, go solo. And I was like, are you, uh, no, these are the guys I want to play with. And he's like, trust me, go solo. And I said, all right, I'll do half band gigs, half solo gigs. Yeah. And within six months, I was doing like 90% solo gigs and 10%, because it's just so much easier. Yeah. And I don't have to split the money at the end of the night. you know. So I was playing coffee houses and things like that. Yeah. And uh, so I do these couple of funny songs along with my regular songs, and people liked them. Yeah. That was what was clicking. And I then I also had this bad habit of forgetting lyrics Ooh. a lot. Yeah. And so I started cracking jokes about forgetting the lyrics and yeah. all that kind of stuff and then Make I would do talk, spoken introductions to the songs and those started to have jokes with them and yeah. it just kind of moved into that and I got invited to do a comedy music show in San Francisco nice. at a place called the Hyena Theater and the MC was this lady Lynn Ruth Miller who at the time was let's see she would have been 71 and uh, she was like uh, she's a comic she's still at it she's 83 now yeah she lives in Edinburgh now does she live there now? Yeah. I, I didn't know if she moved over there or not. Yeah, okay. Yeah, last um, summer she moved there. I was trying to book her here. She is one of the nicest ladies I have she's ever awesome. worked in yeah. this industry. Yeah, she yeah. is She is about four feet tall. Yep. She's 50 pounds yep. if she's one. Mm -hmm. And she is She is just the cutest little grandma oh, you've yeah. ever met. And now she does a lot more like cabaret type acts. Yes, yeah. And, oh, oh, she was then too. Yeah, really? Mm. Oh. Yeah, because she was emceeing this show I was on. Yeah, and she said, "Hey, you know, I need a guitar player for my act. Why don't you come play guitar for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool." I was just saying yes to anything at that point. Yeah, and um, so we were. She was at the the bit she needed me for was uh, I was playing Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols while she did a striptease and threw underwear at the audience. <laughs> nice, it was hilarious. And we did end up taking that to Edinburgh in two thousand five. Nice. Um, so we went and did that the cool. French festival over there. But she's been. Yeah, I didn't know she moved over there. I haven't yeah. seen her in a long time. Um, but that's she's great. got like a TV show now. Oh, does she like, really? Whatever, whatever the equivalent over there of like a cable right. access show. Oh, okay, yeah. She hosts her own show. That totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. She is so awesome. She's great. Yeah. God, I miss her. Yeah. She I, started dragging me around to gigs, and people were like, "Oh, you got stuff? You want to do seven minutes?" I was like, seven minutes." I did four hours with my band last weekend. Yeah, I can do seven minutes. And and then I realized, I found out how long seven minutes is on yeah. a comedy stage yeah. when you're eating it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started with just those three goofy songs. And, and of course, I caught all kinds of flack from the traditionalists about being a yeah. guitar comic. Oh, God. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'll learn how to do stand-up, too. Yeah, and this, and then they were like, mm, "Shit, now he knows how to do that too," yeah. you know. And uh, I mean, like you saw tonight, I did forty-five minutes of stand-up before yeah. I even picked up the guitar. So yeah. that's kind of how my show goes now. Well, and I realize that it's any professional comic that doesn't like a comic that uses an instrument mm -hmm. just musically, yeah, is somebody that's jealous because they have no musical talent. Oh yeah, I they I've had people go, "You have an unfair advantage." Yeah, I'm like. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. and I'm utilizing <laughs> yeah. it to my... Uh, if, so, yeah. If you on. had an unfair advantage, you would use it too. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, that's why all NBA basketball players are 10 feet tall. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Because they have an unfair advantage. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. And, I mean, here's, here's the thing about musical comedy is that the, the only downside that I can tell is that if you're good at it, just do it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that when you start a joke... You have about three or four places where you can bail out with a tagline or something like yeah. that, as where with a song, 
once you start a song, uh-huh. you have three minutes of people saying, oh, I wasn't really into this in the first five seconds, right. so I just have to sit here and stare at them now. Yep. Yeah. Like, oh, God. There, there are ways to bail out, but yeah. it's tricky to rearrange on the fly. Yeah. Um, I know, like, the version of Bad Porno Sex that I've been doing now is a shortened version that I've been doing since August. Yeah. Because I've been doing that song for probably six years now, and I'm trying to squeeze in some of the newer stuff, but that's one that always works yeah and uh, so i always wanted to put it out there but i do do a show i like i've cut the whole first verse and chorus out of it and it still gets all the big punches and the thing at the end you know and so and um, like the 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 baby song dodged a bullet that one i can quit halfway through if i need to i can quit after the first chorus you know so there are ways and i kind of build in escape hatches sometimes um and i've had also i've had them just times where i go hey you guys are not into this i'm gonna stop here (laughs) (laughs) So, so okay I want that was gonna be my next question. Have you ever come to that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And how how did you dig yourself out? Um, <laughs> usually I just go into another song. Next one. Yeah, and just I go. Hey, well, let's try this one instead. Yeah, you know, see if it works. I mean, because the I'm doing you know in an hour I'm gonna do fifteen or twenty minutes of music in there. I've got enough songs where I can kind of switch out and I can I can read the crowd yeah. and see what they're gonna be into. You know, like the the um, the uh, I want to rock song that I did tonight. The politically yeah. correct song that's one that I can't do in a lot of places because they don't get it yeah <laughs> you know oh yeah you know and when I've... when the audience is the people that the parody's about yes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they're like uh yeah this just is a straightforward song that makes a lot of sense I'm yeah. really enjoying this yeah. oh yeah yeah I've <laughs> had that form of art <laughs> and then like the 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 complete 180 degrees from that like the super conser- super conservative class. yeah they don't get it either. The, yeah. Those people don't exist in this world. Yeah. How could you ever say something like that? Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't get the the satire of it. Yeah, you know. And so I have to have a particular kind of suburban kind yeah. of crowd yeah. to play Translate. that song for. You know. And I've got I've got another one that I was hoping to get to tonight. I kind of ran out of time and energy to do it, but it's a it's a, a, a binary love song essentially. Uh, it's about uh, Google put out they have this artificial intelligence computer called Magenta and they're, yes. te- they're teaching Magenta how to write music and I'm like hey that's my job um, <laughs> but I heard the first song that Magenta put out and it was crap so I was like oh, alright yeah. but so I wrote I wrote the song that I wanted Magenta's first single to be and it's like this sexy R&B single really? uh, called uh, Let Me Put My One In Your Zero yeah and uh, and it's like but I have to have I have to have some energy and some time to do it because it's yeah. a good five and a half minutes and it goes through this whole story arc and things like that yeah. you know so that's one I can't do for a dumb audience. Yeah. You know, I can't do that for an audience that doesn't understand understand binary binary to begin with is anyway, you know, and uh, because otherwise they're not going to get the jokes. Yeah. Going someplace (laughs) where they never used a computer before. Like, here's a song about computers. Yeah. You mean that thing at the library? (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of just figuring out what that audience is going to be into. And sometimes they don't like the music at all. They're more into the stand up. you know, And uh, on very rare occasions, I've just put the guitar down and gone back to jokes. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty rare. Um, and if they don't like the stand-up, then I go grab the guitar earlier and dig into that. So it at least gives me an extra tool yeah. to have go you done? Have you done some... an all-comedy music set? And how long was it? What's your Oh, longest? yeah, I have. Actually, I mean, the last one I did was probably last year or the year before. I played at a comedy music festival oh, okay. in Chicago. Uh, the It's called Fump Fest. Yeah. Uh, Fump is the the funny music project. It's online, oh. and they've got a a sort of a core crew of people that release funny songs through there, and it's a lot mm-hmm. of really good stuff. The, the the I mean, part of the the bias against comedy music is that there's so much bad comedy music out there, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and it's the same percentage of 
bad white guy comics, except there's just so many more white guy comics right. that yeah. are out there. You know, yeah. there's a, the comedy music is a smaller community, and mm-hmm. but it's the same percentage of bad versus mm-hmm. good. And um, so this is a site that kind of vets everybody, mm-hmm. and we release songs through there. And I don't release as, as many as some of the other guys do, but um, it's a cool site. So they put on their their festival, and uh, the festival was really interesting because it's sort of a Doctor Demento crowd. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, a lot of people who don't quite look you in the eye a lot, and uh, and and I went up and I did an hour of comedy music, and, which I hadn't done in a long time, so my voice was straining. But I mean, just like not a lot of response all yeah. the way through, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, this is like day three. They're probably kind of tired. It's ten o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah. And I had done a bunch. I had done a club in Indiana and then gone through to do the last day of the festival, and then. Uh, at the end, huge applause. Nice. And they bought everything on the merchandise table. And I was wow. like, all right, so like laughing and applauding just isn't your forte. That's yeah. all right. Cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an introvert, uh, almost Aspergian type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, you know, when people that aren't socially acceptable to begin with are into sure. something, yep. they're like, I'm really into this. If I go to this event, I'll be with other people that are really into it. Right. But then, so like, I'll be in my, you know, domain yep. with people that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, those people have the same affliction of not wanting to talk to other human <laughs> right. beings. And they're all super nice people. I yeah. mean, everybody there was just great. Um, but the, just the audience response was so bizarre. I was like, yeah. ooh, all right. Oh, oh, you do like it. Okay, yeah. good. All yeah. right. These people make up the biggest fan base because they are hardcore nerds. Totally. When they like something, they really get they into really it. They really like it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they weren't applauding because they were amazed by it. They're like they were just they were like, "I really respect this. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I will sit here quietly and wait for the next song." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But I've done uh, like full comedy music tours and stuff. Yeah. Um we did one uh, called the uh, Strings of Comedy years ago, me and Chris Valenti and a couple other people. Um, and I ran one called uh, the Manic Melodies Tour for a while. That was all comedy music. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we might put some something like that together again soon. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 I I've been thinking about putting together some sort of bend comedy comedy festival mm, and yeah. to have like a musical sure. night would be awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great because there's good stuff. The Santa Cruz Comedy Festival is happening this weekend, and oh, wow. they they did a, a full comedy music show. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I was supposed cool. to be on it. And, uh, oh! or I guess it was, was it last week. No, I guess it is this weekend. Yeah. It started the other night and the guy that runs at DNA, uh, he, uh, he was like, uh, he was like, Hey, I told you the festival dates. Right. And I was like, no, you didn't. He's like, uh, it's like this date, this date, and this date. And I was like, yep. Booked. <laughs> Different state. Sorry. He's like, Oh, all right. Next time we win. We <laughs> yeah. won. It's very rare that we win out over festivals and whatnot. Uh, so another, a question that I'd like to ask and something that I have, uh, tried to keep track of uh-huh. is that when you get to the headliner status, uh-huh. all musicians want to be comedians and all comedians want to be rock stars. Mm, yeah. Like, because you get to a certain point, uh, like, like a headliner comedian where just like, everybody loves me. I don't have to do anything. Right. You just love my shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they'll just walk out there and people will just start chanting out uh-huh. like jokes and premises. And you're like, yep, I got this locked down. Yep. And then when I see awesome bands, there will like the lead singer will try to do like talk in between songs yeah. and like throw in a joke here and uh-huh. there. They even have people that write jokes for them, like oh, sure. their stage banter. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, well, they should because most of them <laughs> are better very, people doing yeah, that. Right. <laughs> 
And well, and I guess this brings me to another thing. You mm-hmm. may have seen this more is that um, there are two types of musical comedians, mm-hmm. and there are like yourselves that are just talented on both sides. You combine the two, and it works. Yeah. But there are people that, and I mean, like to put it mathematically, you need a hundred percent of the audience's attention. Oh sure. And if you walk up there with a guitar, the guitar already takes up 30 to 40% of the attention. You yep. don't have to do anything beyond mm-hmm. that. Yep. Unfortunately, there are people that only do 60% effort into the comedy <laughs> because they think that they can ride on the novelty of yes. props or music or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they just sort of use it as a crutch. Yeah. And Well, I find that there's they don't understand the difference between a comedy song that works as club comedy and a novelty song. Yeah. Because I've had songs where I've finished it and I go, this is a novelty song. It's funny, but it's not club funny. Yeah. You know, it's not set a punch, set a punch all yeah. the way through the song like it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other thing I see is that they, it's a, they've got one joke and then they just run that joke into the ground. Yeah. Over three and a half minutes. And you're like, like when I ever, when I hear the same chorus again, I'm like, we heard that joke already. You wouldn't yeah. tell the same joke again, would yeah. you? You know? So that's why when I write a chorus, I don't even know how to, I'd like, if I sang the same chorus twice now, I'd be super uncomfortable. <laughs> I even change the choruses every time if I'm writing a serious song. Yeah. Um, because I just got so used to, yeah. I can't have that same chorus again because they've already heard it. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, well, I feel like it's the same thing with pot is that like, <laughs> Pot doesn't make people lazy. It gives lazy people an exterior excuse to sure. continue being lazy. Right. Yeah. So um, there are comedians that take on like try to do music in yeah. their set, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, this will this will eat up all, like an easy three minutes." All right, <laughs> what else can we do? Like, no, 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 you're not doing this to eat up time. Right. You should be doing this because you are talented and you have that sort of material to get out. Because they're tough to write. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's uh, my my. Uh... I'm not super prolific. I put out maybe three or four songs a year if I'm lucky um, because you have to be funny and rhyme. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and, I mean, they take quite a long time to write and get right. And I'll write, you know, a dozen verses and then pick the best three that are going to actually make it into the song and toss the rest at the bottom of the page and just they never see the light of day, you know? But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I see people who uh, either they, they don't, quite grasp the the comedy aspect of it Mm. uh, or they don't they like they just picked up a guitar last week and that doesn't really work either yeah uh or parodies which drive me insane yeah um because people go oh do you do parodies because they don't know the difference between a parody and a comedy song and i'm like no don't i don't do parodies i did one parody one parody i did a parody (laughs) of the song hallelujah it's on youtube and the only reason i did it is because the I read a, a whole book about that song, oh. uh, which is fascinating, um, the history of that song and, and how it's played out. And uh, at the end of it, the author goes, but there's never been a really good parody written of Hallelujah. And I was like, challenge accepted, <laughs> author. And, uh, and so I, look, I went on YouTube, and there's tons of parodies, but they are crap. They're yeah. horrible. Um, and uh, so I wrote a parody, because a true parody parodies whatever it is that you're working with right right and so it's not just changing the words fart to heart or you know it's you know it's not just doing that and changing the entire subject of the song it's actually doing a parody of that it's a satire of the song itself and so the the parody i wrote is a satire of the song hallelujah 
There you go. Mostly talking about how it's overexposed and overused and things like that. And I took the exact verses from the song and rearranged them so that it makes fun of the song. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was like... That is intricate. Yeah. And I was like, it was a good challenge. I was, I was like, okay, I don't do parodies, but I want to see if I can pull this one off. Yeah. You know? And uh, I sent it to the author and never heard back from him. But oh. um, but most people that hear it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty yeah. good one. You know? He updated the last it's... version that says, okay, now there's there's this one parody that's Yeah, good. I know. Yeah. I, need, yeah. Yeah. I have to get a new version of the, the book. Next, yeah, in the next publishing of that book, yeah. your name will be there. Yeah. It'll be, it won't be a thank you. It'll be, all right, I concede victory too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so many of them are just, you know, heart equals fart and there's your parody. Yeah. And that just drives me nuts. Or, yeah. or it's, here's what, here's what. Uh, Bono from U2 would sing like sound like singing his grocery list and it's like ugh, really see now yeah so there is uh, there's parody uh, there's musical comedy mm-hmm. and then there's sort of the Impression. yeah comedy yeah. the the music is more of a prop than right. it is a, a means of conveying material yeah yeah so it is like um, and oh god there's a guy from Portland Andy something who is absolutely hilarious. He's mm-hmm. a music teacher mm-hmm. and he'll bring his keyboard and it is just a whole bunch of jokes one after the other of this song parody, uh-huh. uh, this song impression of this person singing this song. Okay. But it's only like five to 10 seconds of each song. So yeah. it moves really fast. Sure, yeah. So it's a lot of, it would be like uh, Chris tonight does just set up punchline, all right. of those. And he yeah. did 15 minutes of those. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing, but sure. musical impressions. And if and it's if it's well done, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Um, it was, it, was, it was a rapid fire, yeah, which I liked. If that's you can cool. do those, because they aren't, no, they're not the most creative jokes yeah. in the world, mm-hmm. but they are entertaining enough. And if sure. he does them fast enough, there's no time in between to right. think, hey, is this not entertaining? Yeah. You're into it the entire time. Sure. I just want to hear like original versions of it. Because yeah. so many of them, it's like, yep, heard that one before. Yeah. Yep, heard that one before. I mean, everybody does. Uh, Dylan, Bono. You know, I mean, all the standard, it's like an impressionist that goes up and does Christopher Walken. You're like, okay, yeah, we've seen it, you know? (laughs) One of my most favorited tweets was, uh, Christopher Walken is the free bird for comedians. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because everybody knows it, everybody does it. Yes. On stage, you joke about doing it. Right, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Because it is. Everybody has their own version of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) funny. That's hilarious. So the, I mean, the difference between parody and musical comedy is kind of the difference between like my favorite Weird Al. I grew oh, up sure. with yeah. Weird Al. That's why is... I don't do parody because I can't do it as well as he does. Oh God, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, there was an interview with Weird Al where MTV was trying to come up with a whole bunch of reality shows, uh-huh. and they came up with one, and they approached him. They're like, "Okay, we want you to host this show uh-huh. that it's going to be called The Next Weird Al." Oof. And his reply was, "But I'm currently Weird Al." <laughs> So why would I support this? Right, yeah, yeah. And and I get it. Uh, musicians and comedians coming in, writing yeah. music, that would be very entertaining. Sure. But it would demean and just, it, it takes out the legitimacy that Weird Al has built into song Absolutely, parodies. yeah, because nobody does it better than he does. Yes, exactly. You know? Nobody does. How would, how would Weird Al do that song? That's my question. Have you seen him live? The show's great. Oh, God, yeah. I've seen him live twice now. Oh, have you? Yeah. One of my first concerts that I ever went to without my parents or anybody uh-huh. was Weird Al. Nice. And it's mostly because nobody in my family wanted to go to Weird Al. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, yeah, I was like 12, and they're like, yeah, go ahead and go to this concert by yourself. You'll be fine. Nice. I finally Thanks. just saw him like three years ago. It was the first time I got around to seeing oh, wow. him. Yeah. 
Yeah, this last okay. tour, he did uh, the uh, was it mandatory fun tour. Yep, and he did. Uh, like 200 shows in 190 days. Yeah, it was crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. He took like two weeks off before he did a two-month-long tour of Australia. Uh-huh. Took a week off before he then did like a three-month tour of Europe. Yeah. And it's just j- this last year and a half, he has not stopped. There was there was at least, I, I, can't, I can't even remember how many shows, but there were a ton of towns where I'd show up, I was playing the club, mm-hmm. and he was playing the big place like the next yeah. night. You yeah. Know? Yeah, there was, oh God, one night we did a show where Steve Martin and his band were at the amphitheater. Oh, nice. And yeah, so the, of course, the headliner's first joke was, thank you guys for not buying tickets to Steve Martin. Yeah, right. <laughs> thank you for coming For not to knowing instead. that Steve Martin was in yeah, town. Yeah, thanks for not knowing that Steve Martin was in town tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got it. How many people show up to that gig and they're like, why is there so much music? Why is he just yeah. playing the banjo? <laughs> That's the banjo. Where's the arrow? <laughs> yeah, shouldn't he have an arrow through his head? That just makes sense. Why is he not... Uh, Why he... is Edie Brickell here? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was such a good record. Oh, my I God, I yeah. love that album. <laughs> it's good. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, yeah, he did a, a record with Edie Brickell singing. Oh. Oh, and it's fantastic. I mean, I was an Edie Brickell fan anyway, yeah. and I was like, I, I was, but I wasn't, I was like, oh, that's an odd pairing. Yeah. Like, you would never think of that pairing. And yeah. then I, I listened to it, and I was like, this it's is good. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'll totally act like I know who that name is. <laughs> She's uh, not funny, Edie the New Bohemians? So so young. What it is? Uh, shit, what's the name of that name? What uh, I, what I am is what, what I, I am. am is what I am or what you are or what? Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I love that album. Here's how my music knowledge works. Mm. Hum a few bars and I'll know what you're talking okay. about. Mm. You say a name or a band or like this concert or what? I have no idea. <laughs> I I am more into comedy than music, but like Elaine, like we do tr- pub trivia on yeah. at least a monthly basis. I. Elaine does the music rounds every goddamn time because I just have no idea. You can't be trusted with no, it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, uh, so well, we've made plenty of time here, so I have my questions. We'll move on here. What is your writing process? Does your does your writing process for music differ from comedy? Um, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I try to write every morning for at least two or three hours. Okay. Um. That's the first thing I do in the morning after I send my girlfriend off to work is sit down and write because I know if I don't do it, then it's not getting done. Yeah. And um, it doesn't happen every day, but most days it, I try to. And so if I have a, an idea, it's I have to decide, is this a stand-up premise or is it a song? And then I you, sometimes I'll write both. I'll write a song and then I'll write some jokes and, yeah. and go, well, all right, I, there's not enough here to cover a three-and-a-half-minute song, so it's going to be a minute-and-a-half stand-up premise instead. Yeah. You know, Um but for the songs, I really have to have a concept in mind, mm-hmm. or at least a musical concept. If I'm doing a satire of an R&B song or yeah. an '80s rock song or something like that, um, or something where I go, it's you know, I have to have a concept in mind before the song starts because if I write from the music first, it doesn't generally end up that funny for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't know why it is, but yeah, that's gonna be yeah. my next question. Which comes first, the music or the lyrics? Usually, the lyrics. Mm-hmm. For, if I'm writing straight music, regular songs, then I start with the music and put lyrics on later because mm-hmm. uh, they don't have to be funny. Um, but for the comedy songs, I have to have a lyrical concept in mind first, okay. and then I can drop some music around it because then yeah, it gives okay. me an idea of what kind of music it should be, yeah. and I can go from there. It doesn't need to be fast, slow. What kind of style? What kind of groove? What kind of you know whatever. 
See, I've had, when I was in high school, I hated high school, so I was just goofing off the entire time. <laughs> so in class, I couldn't like play with games or do this, so I had to yeah. create legitimate educational things to goof off with. Okay. So it's very English, responsible of you. Exactly. <laughs> so I would sit there and do like word puzzles and stuff like that, so it looked like I was actually working <laughs> on stuff. And one thing that I would do is just write limericks and poems and stuff like this, uh-huh. and I got you know, a rhyming dictionary and mm. sat there in class for months on end. Uh-huh. And I got to the point where I could almost freestyle rap. <laughs> like now I grew up in Redmond, Oregon, uh-huh. which so the bar on freestyle rap was pretty was low. Really, <laughs> really low. Like I could speak rhymes with a beat continuously. Right. It was fairly slow, but I could do it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I could just bust out a limerick. The, the and... only battle ballad battle rapper. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the... <laughs> I would, metronome out. More of a more of like a uh, like a beat poet, mm-hmm. you know. It's mm-hmm. you know. There you go. But I have I've wanted to get back into it, but I have no musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> so the best thing that I've been able to come up with is just write lyrics to parodies there and you stuff go. like uh-huh. that. Yeah. So is that you know how do how do I get into the music game? Where did you? So did you meet the devil at like a dirt crossroad? <laughs> yes. In the middle of somewhere, Touring is that how you Georgia. got your yeah, talent? Yeah, but it was the crossroads of like a 7-Eleven and a Walmart. Okay. It was, yeah, not okay. nearly as interesting. That makes sense. But um, yeah, well, I mean, I've been playing music since I was a kid. Oh, okay. uh, I've been playing, I played, started playing the flute when I was eight. Yeah. Uh, piano at 12, guitar at 16. Wow. Um, and just picked up, I have a degree in jazz. And, uh, you know, so music, that I came from that. Which is why I'm very picky about my comedy music because I come at it as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be a strong song first. Yeah. It's got to be a chorus you can hum. It's got to have a good rhythm. It's got to have a... And then I make it funny. You yeah. Know? Um, and so, so, I mean, getting in... Uh, what Some of the guys I know that just write lyrics is they've got somebody else that produces the music for them. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, Steve Goody will produce music for other guys and things like that, you know. Um, and so they just have a guy where they go, you write the music and I'll write the lyrics and we'll put it all together. Mm-hmm. And then one guy performs it, you know, usually yeah. the tracks or something like that. But, uh, yeah, there are those kind of partnerships out there. Yeah. But I do know that the Goody family has been in music for quite some time. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, what? I guess your first time on stage doing just comedy. What was that like? I don't remember. Oh. Like with no guitar? Yeah. I kind of remember going, all right, I'm going to do a set with no guitar tonight. Yeah. It might have been at Club Deluxe in San Francisco. That's kind of rings a bell. And it probably wasn't more than 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. And I'd already been doing it for quite a while, at least three or four years at that point. I just yeah. never gone up oh, okay. and done it without the guitar, yeah. you know? And so it was like, it was like walking on stage naked. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have my thing in front of me tonight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I was I was comfortable enough doing stand-up at that point where it wasn't, you know, it was yeah. just that I wasn't going to go grab it at the end of the show yeah. and do this stuff, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a little weird the first time I just stood up there with a mic in front of my face. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the hardest, uh, it's the most dangerous art form I've participated in. Really? Yeah. Um, cause I've, I mean, I've played in orchestras, I've played in rock bands, I've done yeah. a little acting, I've done, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, 
There's nothing between you and the audience but a microphone. Yeah. You know? Oh, God, yeah. And, I mean, there's just nothing. Like, if they stop paying attention, boy, do you know it. Yeah. Because um, yeah. in a band, you can just turn to the other guys and play to them if nobody's paying <laughs> yeah. attention, you know? Yeah. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, bands are background noise, um, which I kind of have to deal with sometimes when I pick up the yeah. guitar. People yeah. see the guitar and go, oh, okay, background noise. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, still comedy show. Gotta listen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something that I've had to work very hard to teach Central Oregon uh-huh. is that all entertainment in central Oregon is something that can be played while you drink a beer and have a conversation. Right. So I have had to work very hard to legitimize comedy to the point of this isn't just bar entertainment. Mm -hmm. This is a theater art. Right. So you have to sit and give it the respect that it deserves. Right. Because I specifically book people that work hard, are very (laughs) talented and deserve that kind of professional respect. Well, I think they don't, I mean, to us, we go, we're having a conversation with you and you're not paying attention yeah. Yeah. if that were if we were talking 101 those this would be a one-sided conversation yeah and uh, i don't they don't quite make that connection sometimes if they've not been to a comedy show before or they mm-hmm. just don't understand how it works you know yeah. and so i always sometimes will like if they're seated like way far back and there's like you know five rows of empty seats between the stage and them i'll be like yeah this is super like going to a party and go like i'm gonna go stand in the corner and talk to you from over here you know <laughs> and they kind of get the idea like oh okay so yeah. we should move up you yeah. know <laughs> exactly the and you, you touched on it there for a second the, the psychology of being comfortable on stage yeah. not having the guitar we had this conversation tonight about mm-hmm. the psychology of the audience and yeah. what you wear and sure. what you have yep. because uh, and I want to bring this up for the podcast. You wear the same silk shirt. Is that? No, sir. it's it's like sateen. It's like a fake, <laughs> it's like a oh, fake satin. Yeah. Oh, so you've just been lying to us this entire time. You can't sweat through a satin shirt. You ruin it. <laughs> Uh, but you have you have worn the last time you performed here in Bend was probably about three or four years ago. Yeah. Exact same shirt. Oh, I have six of them. Do you? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I've got six of them. I have enough for a week's tour and Sunday off. Perfect. Yeah, and uh, no shirts on Sunday. No shirts. On, no <laughs> shirts on Sunday. No pants. Dry either. clean only. Yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. I use like the dry clean dryer sheets because oh, they're nice. cheap. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've got six of them. I've been wearing because when we when I was playing in my band, we had different colors of those shirts. Oh. I had a red one, a blue one, a white one, a purple one. You know, of those shiny sateen yeah. shirts, and we all would wear like the same color. And because uh, nobody else at that time was, it was, you know, just like we we're getting into the grunge era yeah. and it was shorts and flannels. And we we're like, we got to do something different yeah. from all these guys, you know. So we would dress up. And when I started doing comedy, it just sort of went into that. I was like, well, I'll yeah. do it. so I kept wearing the different colors. Yeah. And every time I wore one of the red shirts, somebody would come up, buy a CD and go, I love your shirt. I got to buy your CD. And I was like, well, I'm going to invest your money in more red shirts because that's the color that seems <laughs> yeah. to sell the most CDs for some reason. Yeah. And it's just that eye-catching color, you know. So the red one proved to be the popular one, and yeah. so I just stuck with the red one after that. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of comics hate hate the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, because they're jealous of it. It's something that you use to your advantage without thinking, I'm using this to my advantage. Yeah, and they, they, they think it's a gimmick. Yeah. They think it's hokey. There's one club so in, in San Jose that is? thinks it's a gimmick and she won't hire me because of it. Heaven forbid. Yeah. And uh, it, I explained it. I go, this is a marketing thing. Yeah. Because when you ask somebody at a com- who went to a comedy show the next day, yeah. oh, you saw a good comedy show? What was the guy's name? Oh, I don't remember. He's wearing this red silk shirt. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. they remember the shirt. They remember the hair. Yeah. You know, and so I gave them visual cues. They remember the sunglasses on my head, which been there since junior high. <laughs> and uh, so I give them visual cues to remember mm-hmm. so that at You're least. You're just using that as a men's hair band thing. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, absolutely. So my hair doesn't get in my face the whole yeah. show. Because um, I can't have a rock star fan blowing it back. It looks ridiculous oh, on a comedy stage. You should invest in that. Yeah, I know. You should just get one of those little like clip ones and be like, <laughs> where can I plug this in? Where can I plug this in? When there's no place to plug it in, grab the person in the front one and be like, just blow really yeah, hard. Yeah. All right? I was playing a place a couple weeks ago in Oakland, and they had they were just trying to cool the place off, and there was like a fan off the stage left, but yeah. it was like one of those pillar fans that rotates, yeah. you know? And and I I, uh, I was I looked at it. I was like, this is the worst rock star fan ever because it kept blowing my fan, like blowing my hair sideways into my face yeah and so i went over and i like kneeled down in front of it with my guitar and i would start i would start moving to the left and to the right because it was rotating <laughs> and i was just going back and forth with it. it was ridiculous but it was funny sometimes you gotta do that we yeah had, we had a show a couple weeks ago where the spotlight was broken we couldn't get it to sit on one color uh-huh so anyway it it's one of those dance floor lights yeah so it was very slowly rotating to different colors sure. so you'd get one color for about 15 seconds right before it started to switch to the next one uh-huh so after the opener, I went up there and completely addressed it from beginning to end. Yeah. And then attempted to tell color-coded jokes. <laughs> where I would start on one side of the spotlight and slowly walk to the other side telling a blue-colored joke. Okay. And then as soon as that ended, I'd run over to the side and tell a red-colored joke. Nice. It, it but did not work out. <laughs> but it's one of those things good, where... Good try, though. Yeah, it's where, you know, shit sucks sometimes. You got to make the best of it. You have to address it. Yeah. Otherwise, the audience is just uncomfortable the whole time, and you have to make something out of it, and then yeah. you can move on. Yeah. You know, and uh, I had I showed up at a place in Idaho at some point, and it was a bar gig, and the guy, I said, oh, do you have a mic stand? Because I play guitar, I got to sing. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got a mic stand. And he brings out this broken mic stand that only comes about three feet off of the floor. <sighs> and that's it. I said, what am I supposed to do with this? And he goes, that's the only one we got, man. And I had flown in. Usually I carry gear with yeah. me in my trunk, but I had yeah. flown in for the show. And uh, so I had to, like, squat down in, like, like a like an exaggerated rock star <laughs> stance for every song and my thighs were exhausted by the end of the show but it was funny because I was I would get in like rock star pose but three feet off the ground to do every song and you have you just have to address stuff it becomes a running gang after a while totally yeah exactly the more you get pissed off about it the funnier it becomes to the audience yep yeah Um, so let me ask you what is the worst gig that you've ever done oof Um, well the worst one in recent memory was in Katati California mm-hmm. at a place called Spanky's. Um, Sounds classy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, here's the thing. In, in North, that part of Northern California, Napa, Healdsburg, Santa Rosa, the guys that run shows there run fantastic shows, mm-hmm. except for this guy who runs Spanky's. <laughs> and I did not know this. I yeah. just knew that all the other shows yeah. up there were great. So I had just flown back in from Denver. Mm-hmm. I got off a plane. I got into my car. I drove two hours to Katati to show up at Spanky's and do this. Sun, it was like a Sunday show or something like yeah. that. And I was closing it out. And the guy running it is trying to run the door, MC the show, and get really stoned all at the same time. And uh, and he's not funny, not the least bit funny. Yeah. He does not know how to run a show. And it's a dive bar. And so nobody's paying attention. And uh, 
I don't do I don't do angry comedy a lot. Yeah, I did angry comedy <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. evening. There's like a there was like a, a table of girls downstage, right? Just blonde college chicks who would not shut up. It was just all about them. Yeah, they didn't even care. There was a show going on. Just people at the bar yakking, and I I was like I started talking about my girlfriend, right? And I was like. I've been my girlfriend for 24 years, and I'm so glad I'm not single because I never again have to impress those bitches over there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Everybody laughed except for that table. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Sounds about right. Yeah, and then I, I did my set, and I just blew through a couple of songs, and I walked up to the guy after. I was like, is there money? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll find you some money. And I was like, okay, yeah, bring me, bring me my money now because yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah, you know. And it was just, it was just one of those where nobody was paying attention, yeah. nobody cared. Oh, we had that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was just, I, I think I was, I was so exhausted from having just done five shows and flown and mm. all that kind of stuff that I was just not in the mood for that kind of thing. Mm. Usually, I'm a little better natured about it if it happens, yeah. but that, that night I was just not, not cool. But I mean, I, the gigs are usually fine or they're okay or it's just a road gig or you know yeah. whatever it is um the, the drives are usually the <laughs> the oh, problem yeah I, somebody was it you who asked me about oh no i was talking to chris earlier tonight about he said he was going to montana and that was the the scene of the worst drive i've ever had Ooh. it was a triple gig oh of course um, yeah well that's the only person that yeah. still books through there oh yeah every yeah. every northwest tour story starts with so i'm on a triple run oh. and uh <laughs> that's funny because at the world series of comedy they used to have like a road story show that was like after hours where there was an audience and the comics would just tell road stories yeah. and 90% of the road story started with so I'm on a triple run and uh, uh, like David Tribble wouldn't even go because he didn't want to mess up everybody's stories he yeah. was at the festival but he yeah. didn't want to he'd be there embarrassing people so uh, we're going from uh, Billings Montana to Glasgow Montana yeah. which is about a four hour drive the girl featuring for me it's her first time on the road her name's Candy Super funny. I took her with me up there. It was also her last time going on the road. Oh, she no. quit comedy soon after. Oh, God. And uh, so it's supposed to be a five, about a four-hour drive. This is December. It took us 12 hours to get there, Jesus. snowing sideways the entire time. We slid off the road twice, one of which resulted in a speeding ticket, despite me going 25 miles under the speed limit. Yeah, the guy was like, well, you must have been going too fast because you slid off the road. At one point, my snow chains got wrapped up around the axle. We had to call a tow truck out oh, to get God. it unwrapped. Uh, the last half hour of the drive was so dark that I was driving by the green line on my GPS. I could not see the road at all. It's like, hope oh, there's no cliffs around here because <laughs> oh, wow. I could not see anything. We get there a half hour before the show. And uh, fortunately, there was an audience. I would have been so... Oh, God, the yeah. whole day, I mean, Dave Tribble is calling us going, you guys don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. We're like, we're halfway there. Yeah. If we turn around, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so we get there and I go, Candy, go do your set. I'm going to grab a 20-minute nap while you're on stage. And uh, I got up there. I said, you guys, uh, I, I got to Glasgow, Scotland in less time than it took to get to Glasgow, Montana today. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> it was horrendous. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned how to, I, I drive in snow so good for a California boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I always end up in Chicago in November this year. I'll be in Chicago in November again, you know, <sighs> you know, so I, I've done, I've driven over the upper peninsula of the great lakes in the middle of the winter. Wow. Uh, which people who live there are like, why would you do that? Yeah. That's yeah. insane. You know? So yeah. Ballsy. I, yeah. Yeah, we're in Central Oregon. It snows. Like it's very obvious in Bend during the winter which yeah. Subarus were born here and which <laughs> Subarus came from California. Right. Yeah. It is. It's 
fairly obvious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We give Californians a hard time. Sure. Like, in fact, just today, uh, I took my car to Les Schwab, got the snow tires on, uh-huh. aired up, ready to go. Because on uh, Elaine's car, it's just all season tires. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Central Oregon in the winter. We need full <laughs> studs. Not just the one in the driver's seat. Yeah. But so in in context to that, what is the best gig you've ever had? And why oh, was it your best? Best gig. Um, hmm. So there's there's different there's three main things. Yeah. There is either the audience was the best, yeah. the people that you worked with was the best, yeah. or the venue was the best. Oh god. Or gosh. any combination of those. Yeah, I mean there's been a lot of those. Like any theater gig that's got a big audience, I'm yeah. super happy with. I What's love What's your biggest those. audience? Um eight hundred to a thousand somewhere in there uh which was a, an outdoor outdoor gig i did at a winery down near fresno uh about six months ago wow yeah and it was uh, it was packed out um and it was fun mostly yeah um but it was it was outdoors which is fine but i get yeah. there and the guy goes uh the winery said we have to do a three-hour show and i'm like that's too long he said yeah i know <laughs> and so there was like the first half of the show he put up like five or six local guys who yeah. who all did well it was a fun show um and then there was going to be an intermission and then a half hour feature and then me and uh but i mean ton of people it was like 800,000 yeah. people something that, yeah. you know it was really a packed crowd but they were pretty tired by the time i got to them yeah. not to mention right before the intermission he brings up all the openers and they do like a curtain call like a bow and i'm like mm, that looks like the show's over maybe yeah. not a good idea to do that and uh so then they go intermission and then we come back on and the feature went up. She had a pretty good set, and I got to him. And outdoors is always weird anyway because you yeah. can't quite hear yourself. I mean, we yeah. had a monitor. Oh, and then the monitors broke. That was fun. What um, time of day was this? Was nighttime. the sun still out? No, no, no okay. nighttime. Yeah, full nighttime show. Okay, yeah. good. No, daytime. Oh, horrendous. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but full nighttime show. So there's lights. Okay. I mean, they had a full stage set up. It yeah. was really nice. But, uh, yeah, it was just a little rough because I couldn't hear them, and I couldn't see them, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. that kind of, and all the laughs just go straight up outside and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, gosh, good gigs. I mean, just anything where, you know, it's a club full of people is I'm, I'm happy mm. with, you know, as long as they get what I'm doing and, and uh you know, I've had feature gigs where I walked off the stage and, and the headliner's like, oh boy, I don't know if I can follow that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. It's always, the, it's always the, you know, it's always when I work with women headliners that do that. They yeah. go, oh, I, I'm not sure I could follow you. I'm like, of course you can follow me. Yeah. I've seen your show. You're fine. But for some reason, they're the less confident ones. Well, they're um, not talking about your material. They're talking about your hair. <laughs> they can't really go out too. after yeah. you. Yeah. People just be like, oh yeah, but his hair was so much better. <laughs> So have you had any good uh, performing with your heroes sort of a thing? Like when you started out, who did you look up to and you have now performed with? Um, well, like I said, Greg Barron had me do a guest set recently at the yeah. San Jose Improv. And I've always loved Greg. Uh, his stand, I can listen to his his stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, I haven't worked with a lot of them. But I've met most of the most of the guys I really like, and they're nice. you know Christopher Titus is super cool. Um, he's always happy to talk shop for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Stephen Lynch gave me some really nice advice via email years ago. Uh, wow. I haven't met him in person yet, but uh, I would like to. He's he's seems like a nice guy. Okay, now that I know your opinion of him, I was going to say that the attitude of which you perform your musical comedy. Uh-huh. Is sort of Stephen Lynch esque. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's funny because when I started, I hadn't heard of him. Yeah. People, I had you know five or ten people go, "Have you ever seen Stephen Lynch?" Because you kind of remind me of him. And yeah. I went and dug him up. I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's amazing!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. so great. I saw him live in Portland probably like 
three or three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's great. Just, he com- he is committed. Totally. Like, yeah. By the time he like usually the last like five ten minutes he'll bring whoever out with him and yeah. do something yeah. fun. And by that time, just sweating profusely. Yep. Just all pitted out and just yeah. everything. Oh yeah. Like you can almost see the original color like at the bottom, like his shirt tail sort <laughs> yeah. of a deal. Yeah. But oh god, just enjoyed the hell out of yeah, that. Yeah, he's show. fantastic. I mean, I do a little more screaming than he does on a lot of stuff, but uh, so I. I found I had to differentiate myself a little bit because I was getting that comparison yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got a much sweeter voice than I do. I can't, I can't, <laughs> sing, like, I can't sing as high as he does. Well, see, that's the thing is that he sounds more sweet, yeah. but his material is so much more raunchy than yours. Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's disgusting. Um, yeah, I've become much cleaner over the years than I used to be. <laughs> so <laughs> what is, uh, well, I guess question of what is your best and worst gig like is there are there any songs like i guess like i have jokes uh-huh. that i have tried to do on stage mm. don't get a laugh oh, and sure. i am so committed to it that i will then construct a three minute bit around that <laughs> of funnier jokes yeah just to do that just one. so i can tell the one that i believed in yeah yeah do you have do you have any songs like that that you absolutely love but i did just don't get i had a song called um picture of perfection that was um, it was a love song about like uh, really loving somebody despite all their imperfections, mm-hmm. right? And but to you, they're the picture of perfection, yeah. and like the imperfections were just disgusting, you know. <laughs> and, and that was that was the premise of the joke was yeah. that oh my god, that's horrible, you know. And uh, I had sometimes it would work, but the what I ran into was the music was too complex. Because uh, I was trying to do, I was like, I want to do more with the guitar parts on this, you mm-hmm. know. And I found that people had to put too much uh, attention on the music part of it yeah. to keep up with what was going on, yeah. that they were missing the lyrics. And uh, and my everybody also thought it was about my girlfriend, despite me going, this song is not about my girlfriend. They go, sure, uh-huh. wink. And Ugh. my girlfriend hated it. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> and uh, she doesn't go to shows very often, but when she would, they'd be like, that song's about you. And I was just like, that's not about me, you know? And so that that was one of the songs that we had to talk about. Yeah. And uh, and I was not allowed to do anymore, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that one, that one was one of those where it was just like, it was too much going on musically and they, they had to put too much attention on the music. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep the music at a particular level that supports yeah. everything that's going on, but doesn't draw too much attention mm-hmm. toward itself. And then when I write serious music, then I go overboard with yeah. the music. And, you know, I don't yeah. do that as often because it doesn't pay the bills. But yeah. um, that's when I can put that effort into that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any recordings of that one? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's on YouTube somewhere or something. Okay. I, but I didn't do it for very long. Yeah. Yeah. See, like Elaine and I, we, well, our entire lives revolve around each other at this point. So, of course, <laughs> our material is going to reflect that. Of course. Yeah. So there are, uh, I've only written maybe like one, maybe two premises. Didn't even think about joke-wise yeah. of stuff like, I would, but I can't say that. Because there are, every audience, there's going to be two or three people that knows that that is the girl that I'm sure. talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... 99% of all the shows that Elaine does, I'm hosting. Uh-huh. So it's kind of hard for us to talk about our significant other right. without people knowing. Yeah. So, and I think Elaine has only ever had like one joke. Yeah. That was, oh God, I can't remember what it was now. There's something about me and sex. And I was like, it's a funny joke. I can't tell you to not do it on stage. <laughs> right. But like we respect each other as much as possible. We sure. never say, I never introduce her as my girlfriend. Uh-huh. Stuff like that. Yeah. 
So it is. Which is the worst when that has happened with other hosts. Oh, God. Other worst. people will be like, Ryan Trump's girlfriend. Oh, really? <laughs> That's her credit. That's what you're. Just say yeah. Elaine from Bend. Even yeah. that is better. Right. And it's just. Oh. Well, it's like uh, Ralphie Mae and Lana Turner. Uh, Lana would they they were married they recently got divorced oh. but uh, Lana would open for Ralphie on the yeah. road all the time you know and so she would be doing jokes about my husband yeah and everybody in the audience was like we know where her husband is yeah. this is yeah. the fat guy coming on next you know yeah and uh, you know but they, it was there was enough insiderness to it that it was it, it was funny and it worked you know yeah I'm sure her jokes about Ralphie are way less pleasant now after the divorce probably but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and I mean, there are, I mean, there are comedians out there that are married that do like, hey, my girlfriend was doing this the other day right. kind of joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they had, they wrote that joke before they were married and it's still a legitimate sure. joke and yeah. they have to keep telling it. Yeah. So like, where is that line of, I yeah. can't do this anymore? Yeah. There, I mean, there was some, some stuff. My girlfriend was like. How come you've never talked nice about me? I'm like, well, give me things that are funny that I can talk nice about you yeah, about. Yeah, do not, some nice yeah. things and I'll write about it. <laughs> but I mean, we there was some things, and I don't talk about her directly as much anymore. I will yeah. often use her as a segue mm -hmm. more often than anything. I was talking to my girlfriend about, or, uh, you yeah. know, my girlfriend does this, and then I go into the bit, you know, so I more often use her as a segue. This new bit I've got where it's 10 minutes of Asian girlfriend jokes. Oh, God. <laughs> came from the driving joke. The, the Asian driving joke, the, oh, the yeah, back yeah. that thing up joke, yeah. which did not work tonight. It's the first time that joke didn't oh. work. Um, but uh, yeah, it did not work tonight. But that joke, we, she literally did help me write that one. Yeah. We were in Vancouver. I was playing a club up there. And uh, we were. she was talking about how she's terrible at parallel parking and backing up. Yeah. And uh, I said, so if I said back that thing up, we'd have trouble, right? And she was like, that's funny. I was like... That I was like, oh man, I really don't like Asian driving jokes, but yeah. that may be one of the best I've ever come up with yeah. or heard. And I tried it at the club last night, and at that night at the club, and just the place fell out just completely. Yeah. I was like, uh, I guess I'm keeping that joke, you know. <laughs> so I was like, well, I gotta, I don't like you know super stereotypical jokes like that. So now I've got to write some material that backpedals from that joke yeah. and yeah. explains how we can do that to each other without there being any malice behind it and how yeah. you know I mean because in our house geez we would throw racist jokes around like crazy yeah. uh, I, Asian jokes white guy jokes all that kind of stuff because we're there we're living in it yeah. you know oh, yeah, yeah. and and we know there's no malice behind it at all we're just screwing with each other yeah. and uh, so I was like I have to I have to put that into the bit to make people aware that I'm not yeah, just being a racist idiot. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that's where I started writing that bit from now it's like 10 minutes worth of material yeah um but her, I was like, I, her brother wants to come see my show. She's like, don't, you can't do the back that thing up joke <laughs> if he's in the audience. <laughs> he won't get it. Because her family's never seen me perform. Oh. They, have no, they don't really, I mean, there's not a lot of, of comedy in Chinese culture yeah. to begin with. Except for the weird, like, Japanese game shows and things like that. They do watch those. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's no... Uh, by the way, all those Japanese comedy shows, every single one of them produced by the same company. So really? if you want to be a comedian in Japan, you have one company you work for. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a real monopoly. It's weird. But uh, yeah, so they'll watch those. But they like stand-up is a completely foreign thing. And they just go, oh, you're doing gigs this weekend? Yeah. You know, shows? <laughs> yeah. But they don't really know what I do. 
And uh, but just recently, they've been like, "Hey, we should go see Phil's show, see what he does." And my girlfriend's like, "No, please don't." <laughs> <laughs> what about what about your family coming to see your show? My family, I can't keep them away from shows. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, my parents, if I'm within 50 miles of home, they will be Every at the time. show. Yeah. That's my great. dad will go. Like if I'm going to do 10 minutes just to work out on a Wednesday night, my dad's in the car with me. He'll go. All the comics in the Bay Area know my dad, and like I mean to the point where they'll come off stage. And walk up to my dad and go. So I tried a new thing with that joke, to, with that one bit tonight. What did, <laughs> did you think that worked, or should I flip the two words? You know, and yeah. uh, so like everybody knows my dad in the Bay Area comedy scene. It's funny, That's cool. but yeah, they come. I finally had to tell my mom to stop sitting in the front row. <laughs> I was like, can we let some regular people sit in the front row, please? Yeah. You know, but yeah, because my dad was a singer. Uh, he was a folk singer in the '60s. My oh, mom yeah. played some. Uh, she played lap steel guitar. My brother is an actor and a musician and all that kind of stuff. So it runs in the family. So they're totally down with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. So we, we're just over our hour, so we're going to wrap up. My cool. be, My favorite question to ask mm-hmm. is, you've been doing comedy for quite some time now. Yep. So when you started comedy compared to now, mm. what was your goal? And what is your goal? Oh, I don't I'm, my The one goal that's always in my head is uh, headlining the sold-out Warfield Theater in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's that's the gig. that. I, once I do that, I don't know if I would keep going completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the picture in my head is, a, you know, a 2000 seater and I'm going to do an hour for him, you yeah. know. Nice. Um, so the, I, everything up to that is just the next step in getting to that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I don't I've always just kind of said yes to can. Hey, can you do this? Yes. Yes. I will figure out how to do that <laughs> yeah. sometime before I actually have to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always it's been a lot of just like. Oh, I'm doing this now? Okay, I guess I'm doing this now. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, just kind of rolling with the punches and taking the opportunities that are presented to me yeah. and not thinking too much past that except yeah. for, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And if I like it, I'll stick with it. And if I don't, I won't. Yeah. You know. So here, interpret this question however you deem necessary, whether mm-hmm. it is your career or life or love or whatever. Okay. What is your definition of success and where are you right now in relation to that? Oh, okay. I'm pretty close. Um, because my definition of success is no cubicles, no neckties, and I get to be creative um, and make a living doing yeah. that. Um, it's that's why I can say yes to whatever pops up. Um, well, you have both music and comedy. That you're in a pretty safe space there. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's because I, as long as I am not strapped into a necktie and a cubicle, and I get to be creative, yeah. then I'm pretty happy. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and as long as I can feel financially secure enough when I'm doing that then that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not bent on fame necessarily, although it's nice. Yeah. Um, uh, and and uh, I don't necessarily want to be super huge, too big kind mm-hmm. of thing or anything like that. But that's that success to me is just sort of being able to be the master of my own ship and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, being able to travel and see things and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close. Well, that's... Then I'm going to end this by saying congratulations on your success. <laughs> well, thank you. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that, that didn't sound bitter at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Elaine being the awesome co-host. Anything you want to throw in? No? No, I'm Awesome. Because you're awesome. Give it up for Elaine. Do I get to plug stuff? Can I plug stuff? Yes. <laughs> So our... he, said, he did say he was close to success. Yeah, he's, he's I got some plug stuff. I'm sorry, you're not that close. It's just, um, yes, keep in mind that this podcast comes out at no specific time. Oh, that's fine. So whatever, whatever media you want to. Yeah. So I have a, I give away a huge digital box set of my best stuff uh, at philjcomedy.com, 
It's uh, the best stuff from the last 12 or 15 years. It's a bunch of music, videos, ebooks, all sorts of stuff. Cool. Wow. Uh, and that's all free. You just go pop your email in the little box there. It's philjcomedy.com. And then I have a podcast as well. Uh, it is a podcast about pirates. And it's called <laughs> Under the Crossbones. Uh, yeah, which is a weird topic. Granted. I noticed your Captain Hook watch. Yes, and I have a pirate on my t-shirt. Yeah, I have a large collection of pirate crap. Nice. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, so I interview people in the pirate community, which is a large community around the world. So bands, artists, uh, authors, uh, painters, um, wreck divers, treasure hunters, historians, uh, actors, all sorts of stuff. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, and they're, they are really interesting people. What a and, niche. Uh, very niche, yeah. When I I was looking for a podcast to do, I was like, no, I don't want to do a, pod, a comedy podcast, and maybe I'll do a Disney podcast, and eh, that's a pretty saturated market. And yeah. I was looking through my t-shirt collection, I was like, I got a lot of pirate t-shirts. And I was yeah. like, I wonder if there's any out there, and there were no pirate podcasts. And then Ooh. when I finally got around to doing it, there was one other guy, but he does like a history podcast, mm. more more like oh, a Dan okay. Carlin hardcore history kind of thing. There's actually two shows that do legitimate that. pirates, legit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, golden age, golden age, yeah. Blackbeard, you know, Jack Rackham kind of stuff. And uh, so there's the uh, history of pirates podcast, uh, which is uh, Craig Buddy's podcast, and then there is the pirate history podcast, which is Matt Arthur's show. Um, and they both do the history thing, but I do the interviews with the community, oh. and uh, and it's super fun. So that's oh. at underthecrossbones.com. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So now I need... Okay, I'm sorry. I thought we were done. Now I have more <laughs> questions to ask. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. All right, I'm going to have to go listen to an episode yeah. of this podcast. That's pretty cool. It's it's pretty cool, yeah. What is, I guess my one question is, what is the most common uh, unknown fact about pirates? Oh, um, uh, one of my favorites is that Blackbeard never killed anybody. Really? Yeah, never never murdered anybody by his hand. That's why, as, talking about psychology of clothing, the reason he had the giant beard and what he would do is he would tie uh, wicks into his beard and then light them before going into battle so that his beard was smoking. And he was yeah. just really imposing wow. double bandolier of... Uh, a double brace of gun, uh, pistols over his chest, the whole thing, so that people were so scared of him that they just... All right, whatever. And that was yeah. uh, like the the Jolly Roger was actually for that. They didn't want to kill people. They just wanted their stuff. Yeah. And so the Jolly Roger was a symbol of, hey, uh, we're just going to come take your stuff. But if you resist, we're going to kill you. Yeah. We don't want to kill you, but we're going to kill you. Yeah. You know, and so they really didn't want to kill anybody. They didn't want to be in battle. They just needed the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. that that's the uh, but yeah, Blackbeard never killed us all. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So what about what is pirates of today, people that consider themselves pirates, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, what is, I mean, they can't go out on a ship and plunder and all of those things. Yeah. So when you are a landlocked pirate, what sort of, <laughs> what is the most piratey activities? It's, it's mostly an offshoot of the Renaissance fair scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I pictured. Yeah, and so, so a lot, most of the Ren fairs now have a pirate weekend of some sort, which... Yeah. Uh, time period wise doesn't make any sense uh, because there's renaissance <laughs> and then you're like oh 1680 to 1720 mm, all right um so that doesn't yeah. make sense but they just sort of infiltrated and they let them in and then there well, are they're pirates that's what they do that's what they do yeah <laughs> they might as well show up to comic-con <laughs> and they do yeah that's the funny thing ren fairs now people show up dressed in superheroes oh, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's all it's a free-for-all now but there are pirate festivals as well that are just dedicated pirate festivals yeah we have one of the biggest ones in northern california and uh it's really great 
And uh, so it's mostly that where they'll do these festivals and there's bands and artisans and, and, you know, everybody goes dressed up and things. I don't dress up. It's too hot most of the time. To, <laughs> yeah. I was last well, one. And how always... many pirates wear a red silk shirt? Right. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You should see the costumes, though. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just uh, these people will put easily six, seven grand into a costume wow. because they are full bore. You know, they've yeah. got a firearm at their side. Oh, they've got crazy. hats. I mean, I was looking at hats at the last festival, and it was like, oh, $2,000 for a hat. Jeez. Oh, okay. You know, and uh, I was like, well, I'm going to get that guy on my show and talk to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a guy named Javier. He will he, he, yeah. wear the hat. hat. I'll get to look at it for right. an hour. That's yes. good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's super niche, but it's a really interesting group of people, yeah. and there's a huge, like, pirate music scene, and, uh, and all. I've gotten all to right. talk to people who – uh, I just wouldn't have gotten, I wouldn't have thought it would be that interesting, first mm. of all. Um, uh, like, I talked to the guy who invented the Captain Morgan rum character. Really? Yeah. That's, That's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, and he's, he's like, uh, his main gig is he paints, like, uh, fantasy covers for novels. Really? Yeah. So, and he's been doing it for 40 years, yeah. you know. So I talked to him. I talked to the guy who um, found a pirate ship, a wreck. Yeah. It was the second wreck to be actually identified as a pirate ship. And I'd read a book about him. And I was like, this is a great book. Oh, hey, I could talk to this guy. I have a platform to talk to this That's guy. That's pretty cool. So he's been to Titanic and he's been to the Andrea Doria and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I talked to that guy for an hour wow. just about trek, you know, wreck diving and treasure hunting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, I talked to, you know, um, actors. I t- do you know the show Black Sails on Stars? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I talked to the guy who plays Blackbeard on really? that show. I got him on the show yes. for, you know, it was a little 10 minute quick punch kind of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah it was really great talking to him. That's you know, totally pretty cool. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I've gotten to talk to really interesting people because the pirate thing is really just an excuse to talk to them about whatever their art form is. Yeah. You know, so if I'm talking to an author, we're going to talk about writing. Yeah. You know, how'd you get into pirates? Great. Let's talk about writing. Yeah. You know, or painting or music or whatever it is. I'm usually talking to them about their art form. If it's a historian, then we're going to talk about pirates for yeah. an hour. Oh, you God, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and even then, um, it's more about being an historian than actual talking about pirates, yeah. you know. So it's really just an excuse to talk to them about whatever their art form is and keep it in that niche. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, I am I am a fan of so many random things. I uh-huh. realize that there are groups of people that there are enough of them to come together for some sort of convention. Absolutely. No matter what that is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like vampires were a thing. Now, yep. like zombies are a thing. Yep. Uh, pirates, obviously, yep. a thing. So it doesn't surprise me that there is a pirate convention somewhere. Oh, yeah. Loads of them. Yeah, oh, loads great. of them. There are, there are festivals. There's probably easily probably... 30 or 40 festivals around the country every year pirate yeah. festival they just had one fort myers florida last weekend in the middle of the storm there was a the portland fet festival which is the uh bondage fetish okay. festival yeah. in portland when i found out how highly populated that festival is every year <laughs> i was like oh you can do it for any goddamn thing anything. and people will come to your convention anything yeah Portland, so, Portland has a big Buccaneers ball every year. Yeah? Yeah. We'll have to go to that. Yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, they have a big one. That's a big scene. I haven't really tapped that scene for guests yet. Yeah. Um, most of the people I've talked to have been East Coast, uh, North Carolina, Florida, that yeah. area there, because it's a very piratey area. Um, but yeah, Portland actually has a very large pirate scene. Well, if you ever want to come out for that convention, we'll book you and Ben. For, for sure. Show. Yeah. We'll try to come up and visit this festival, too. Yeah. That would be, oh, I haven't God. been to it yet, either. I want to go. That would yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Everybody, I'm not going to talk about it. If you want to learn more about that, go listen to his podcast. Yes, underthecrossbones.com. Underthecrossbones.com. Yep. All right, and I think that's it. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. Thank you. Very it was fun. Enlightening. Yeah. And of course, Elaine. Yes. All right. Thanks, Elaine. Yep. <laughs>
All right.